I'll give you a little bit of inside baseball here. Um, every um, pastor prepares his own way, his or her own way for, for preaching. And uh, each, it's a very personal thing, but ultimately there's time spent in the Word, there's time spent in prayer, there's time that is very reliant on the Holy Spirit to help guide us in, in what, what is it that the Lord is saying to us here this morning. And I, uh, and ultimately we have to decide what it is that the Lord is saying, is, is calling us to, to share every Sunday. But there's also the, the part where we have to figure out how to effectively convey that, like, Am I memorizing a 25-minute speech, sermon? It, that's a hard thing for me to do. Um, I'm the kind of guy who, like, uh, I love watching movies over and over again because my memory is so terrible that it's like watching it for the first time all over again. Uh, so I did something a little strange uh, last night. Is I, I recorded myself saying the sermon so that while I mowed, I could listen to myself to help kind of get those beats in my head and I was listening to myself talk, and, and I was just really having a hard time listening to myself. <laughs> so, so first of all, I, I empathize. <laughs> but second of all, I, I heard myself saying, Father, Son, Spirit, Father, God the Father sent the Son, the Spirit. The, you know, I was saying all these things like over and over again, and I realized that these words, apart from relationship, apart from experience of, of, of who the Father is and his love who sent the Son and the Spirit, that we are, it was just a really interesting lesson to me about how reliant we are on the Holy Spirit, how reliant I am on the Holy Spirit, how as much preparation that I put into this, that ultimately anything that I say that you walk out of here with your hearts changed, with your hearts comforted, with your hearts um, moved, um, that's the Holy Spirit that is working. And so that, that was a really nice um, object lesson for me to, as a reminder of, of what the Spirit is. So apart from the Spirit, um, I know that it's just going to sound like a bunch of gibberish. So I pray for the Spirit to be here, that as I talk, say the word Father, I didn't do, I should have searched, how many times did I say the word Father here and Son? Because and, I'm talking a lot about the, the Trinity, um, because this is such an important thing for us every day, but especially today. This is Pentecost. This is the day that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. This amazing gift that, that can you imagine Jesus' followers that they had watched him turn water into wine. They had watched him heal the sick. They had, they had been fed by him. They had been, they're out in a storm on, on the sea and he calms the storm. And Jesus did his um, anti-church growth teaching in, in John chapter 6, where he teaches this thing, and, and it says that, like, everybody left except his disciples. And he's like, do you guys want to leave too? Because, like, I'm not softening my teaching. Do, do you guys want to leave too? And they're like, teacher, where would we go? You have the words of life. We're going to follow you to the end. Whatever it is that you say, whatever hard teaching, we're there for it. We're there for you. We're there with you. And so Jesus, spending his time with his disciples, he's like, I'm going to go away. And it's going to be good for you. And they're like, what? But, but, but Jesus, like, you're everything. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to go away. And it's good. It's a good thing for me to go away because I'm going to send my helper. Holy Spirit. 
It's too important of a holiday to just gloss over. So even though we're in the middle of a, of a sermon series, I want to spend a little bit of time on Pentecost. We are a Bible church, and part of being a, a Bible church, um, part, part of being a church built on the foundation of Scripture is to read God's Word in context of, uh, obviously, God's Word has, has eternal meaning that, that, that had the same meaning to the first generation that read it uh, to us today. But there's also uh, something about the, the words of Scripture that um, there's something that we are called as a church, as a body of believers, to, to witness to the greater world, whether it be believers or unbelievers. To, we see some things in wor- the Word where we're like, we need to call God's people back to this. And I think... We, we uh, have a duty to call God's people back to a better understanding and a better appreciation of the Holy Spirit. As, faith, as we try to be faithful witnesses of God's word, we need to call the greater church back into a greater appreciation of the Holy Spirit. I think it is a great, here, here's the correction I want to make. I think it is a great error to see the Holy Spirit as a useful thing for us. Now, every error is rooted in some bit of truth, right? The Holy Spirit is useful for us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit illuminates the, the reading of Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts, gifts of tongues and gifts of prophecy. The Holy Spirit gives us all kinds of gifts. So without the Holy Spirit, we do not have communion with the Father. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't feel the presence of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does that for us. But it's more, it is so much more than a useful tool. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. So just as we have affection and adoration for God the Father, and we have adoration and affection for God the Son, oh, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the one who left his throne in heaven to live as one of us, that is tremendous comfort to us. We know the love of Jesus Christ. We know the love of the Father. We know the love of the Father because God sent his Son. And we know the love of the Son because the Son lived as one of us and we are comforted in our suffering knowing that Jesus Christ endured suffering. That we are never alone in our suffering because Jesus Christ knows what it was like. And another thing that we witness to the world about is we push back against that prosperity gospel, this idea that God wants you to have a great life, that God came to give you your best life now. This isn't true. This is not what the Bible says. God may, in fact, be calling you to suffering. And that each of us are going to grow old. Each of us are going to get sick. And each of us will die. And it has nothing to do about God with God revoking his blessing from us. We push back against the prosperity gospel. And we know that in our suffering, we're not, we're not comforted in our suffering by knowing that every suffering is going to end in pleasure and in riches and in health. We're comforted in our suffering because Jesus is with us in our suffering. Jesus suffered. That anything, he is not, he is not clueless about your suffering because what you are going through, what you have gone through, he endured as well. And so all of this is a tremendous comfort. We love Jesus. We love the Father. The Holy Spirit is part of this too. We need to love the Holy Spirit. We need to adore the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time praying to and praising the Holy Spirit because he, not it, he is a person. He is part of this trinity, this triune God who is on this mission to restore all the earth and to restore you and me to the Father. The Holy Spirit is part of this Godhead. 
He's not a cons- we're, as Americans, we're great consumers. The Holy Spirit is not a consumer product that helps us. Holy Spirit, I need this thing. Can I have it? We need to understand the Holy Spirit is this gift to us, this gift that helps us, that spends time with us. And we should dwell in him and adore him just as we adore and dwell with the Father and the Son. We should delight in him. We should love him. We should seek intimacy with him. All right, I'm going to make a very just transition. We are in week three of our five-week sermon series on, um, on our values as a church, on our five values of the church. In week one, we talked about our value of finding our identity in Christ. Um, and I printed out, uh, we didn't have room in the bulletin. I printed out some really nice red inserts, and unfortunately, I did not tell our greeters to pass those out. I'll pass those out at some point. But on that insert, we have um, all five of those values. Um, week one, identity in Jesus Christ. That um, there are many things, some of us find our identity internally, and that's a bad thing. That things that have been said to us, things that we've done, we take and, and, and we wear that as our own identity. We feel shame for the things that we've done or the things that have been done to us, and that becomes our identity. Some of us have external identities, um, uh, whether that be good or bad, whether we feel we are a failure, the black sheep of the family, or whether we feel that we're pretty great. But in the Bible calls us to find our identity in Jesus Christ, and in him we are a new creation. And our second value flows out of that, this idea that we have, with this new identity, with this new, this new nation, this new people that we are, that we have a new purpose. Um, and we sang a song, uh, your labor is not in vain. There's a line, um, your, your planting and reaping will never be the same. Because in Christ, our purpose is different. That unless our, our, our work involves sin, and if it does, let's have a conversation. Let's find a way for you to get out of that. But unless your work is sinful, your work is inherently spiritual and inherently um, a, a spiritual vocation. That you are serving God and serving others in your work. Um, we have a new purpose. We find whether your work is changing diapers or placing IVs, or sweeping the floor, or whether it's proclaiming God's word, each of those things are very spiritual, um, given to us by God the Father. Um, Those are are powerful things. And here we are in week three. Our third value, if you're the more observant among us, you saw the cover of our bulletin, is seeking the renewal of our community. We as a body... It's a body called out from our former lives with this new identity and this new purpose in Christ are seeking to renew this community, this community that we live in. Think about Christianity in contrast to the pagan religions of the early Roman Empire. Those who worship pagan gods, they gathered on the appointed day, sacrificing to the God in the way that their God demanded. And what did they seek out of this? They seek They sought to appease their God so that they could get things from that God. Now think about Christianity in contrast. We aren't the people who gather on the appointed day to appease God so that we can benefit from him. No, we gather on the appointed day of worship because our God is the one true God. We're not trying to get anything out of him. We're gathering because it's because all of this is true. And our God is a God of restoration and God is restoring all of creation. Last week when we talked about the doctrine of vocation, I mentioned that 
When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that God could give bread to his people from heaven, just as he did his people in the wilderness. But instead, God has appointed very ordinary means of bakers and truckers and cashiers to give us our daily bread. And God could renew our communities and restore creation uh, and, and, and all the mandates that, that, that we're given as far as feeding the hungry and clothing. God could, could clothe the naked just as he clothes the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, but instead he has chosen ordinary means of his people who are called to clothe the naked and to feed the hungry and to give shelter to um, those who, who lack that. Jesus taught in Matthew 25, um, there's a teaching on God's judgment. It's a very famous teaching. He separates the sheep from the goats. That Jesus will judge us. He'll separate us. To those who are generous, he will say, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous are going to be a little confused because they're like, we don't remember doing any of this. And Jesus will say, anytime you did it for anyone, you did it for me. And likewise, Jesus will turn to those who couldn't be bothered to help. And he will mete out judgment and punishment to those who couldn't be bothered to, to help those in need. We also have a really powerful pass, uh, teaching in Jeremiah chapter 29. This isn't in your bulletins, but in Jeremiah chapter 29, the, the context is that God has punished his own people. He'd given them the gift of the promised land and said, do these things. He gave them a law to do these things and you will live long in this land. They did not follow the Lord and the Lord used very ordinary means of the Babylonians to, to punish them. God allowed the Babylonians to defeat them and to take them into exile. But it was funny that once in exile, the, the, the God's people some, somehow chose that time to realize, aha, we remember God's law. We remember this whole thing about purity and impurity. And so they, rather than actually living in the town with the Babylonians, they camped out outside the town and wanted to stay separate from the Babylonians. And so the book of Jeremiah is this message from God to his people. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7, God says, or Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Seek the welfare of the city. This is not God saying, because they're so great. Again, these are pagan people who do not worship the living God. God is calling them to his people 
to seek the welfare of the city. How do we do this? How do we fulfill God's call to us? How do we seek renewal in our city? How does one little church take part in the renewal of a city with problems as complex as Sioux Falls? We do it bit by bit, following the call of the Holy Spirit. We may not be able to stamp out hunger on our own, but we can bless some families. You're probably familiar with the story of the man on the beach. Once upon a time, there's an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing, and he had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking on the beach after a storm, and he found the beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, he noticed a small boy approaching. And as the boy walked, he would bend over every once in a while and throw something into the ocean. And as the boy came closer, the man called out. He said, good morning. May I, may I ask what you're doing? The young boy, he paused and he looked up and he said, I'm throwing starfish in the ocean. The tide has washed them up onto the beach. And when the sun comes out, they're going to die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man said, but there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you won't be able to make much of a difference. And the boy bent down, and he picked up yet another starfish and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. And he turned, and he smiled, and he said, you made a difference to that one. We can't defeat hunger or homelessness or... or um, abuse or all, the, all the, the things that ail the city of Sioux Falls, we cannot defeat them on our own. But we can certainly help those that are in front of us and that are our neighbors. Those who live near us and those who in, are in need, there are people that, 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 that are in need all over the place and we can do something for them. As, a, as we live with a new purpose... Our second value. As we live with a new purpose, we part of that is spending time intentionally changing our schedules to make sure that we meet people who don't know Jesus. That is part of our new purpose in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, as we get to know our neighbors and, and just we're like, oh, no, I'm an introvert. I just feel like going inside. No, like this new purpose has us thinking outwardly. And as we do that, God will place in front of us people who have needs. And as a church, we have already raked yards for those who can't rake their yards. We've provided food and clothing and toiletries for the needy at the Bishop Dudley House. We've provided Christmas gifts for those who don't have Christmas gifts. We've provided clothes and diapers for a baby of a young mother who didn't have the means to provide for her baby. We've already done that. Isn't that amazing the way that the Lord has worked through us? This is what it means to seek the welfare of the city. When we see a need, we fill it. And we have stepped up generously. Our God is a God of abundance. And as we get to know this God, and as God, through his Holy Spirit, changes our hearts, we begin to realize that all things are God's. And as our hearts change, we no longer cling to our possessions because we know that none of them are ours, really, that they're, they're on loan from the Lord anyway. All things, we acknowledge this in our liturgy. When we collect our offering, 
I say, all things are yours, O Lord. All things come from you. And then you repeat, you say, and of our own have we given. So as we worship, as, as, as we grow to know God, we, we can generously help those who are in need, um, knowing that, that all things we have are given to us as a free gift from God. We don't need to be stingy with God's abundant provi- provision. God has provided for us so that we can provide and seek the welfare of the city. And through our provision for the city, the city will see the generous heart of God. It is interesting to see that as, as pro-life legislation has, has um, gathered steam in, in the South and in two states, in Georgia and Alabama, there has been the familiar criticism that has been lobbed at, at Christians who have worked to protect the unborn. And that criticism is this, that Christians only care about babies up until they're born. There will be always those who harden their hearts towards God. Always. There will be those who will watch Christians build a house for people who who don't have a house. There will be people who watch Christians feed the hungry, and they will still call us names and call us selfish. I mean, this is what motivates atheists to spend their hard-earned money on building billboards and... and (laughs) And Jesus gave instructions to, to shake the, the dust off our feet. And, and there are people who are, have just hardened their hearts towards him. We're not going to win over those people. But as we seek the welfare of the city, as we promote health and wholeness in Sioux Falls, people will see the love of the God that we worship. They will see our selfless generosity for those in need. They will see the hungry fed and the naked clothes. And they will see the homeless given homes. And when they hear a friend ranting about how Christians only care for babies up until they're born, they'll say, I don't know about all Christians, but I know about my neighbor. She spends her free time volunteering, making sure that everyone has a Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know about all Christians, but I know my neighbor. She makes sure that every newborn baby has diapers and food and clothing. I don't know about all Christians, but Church of the Resurrection is sacrificially generous. We seek the renewal of our community, both individually and corporately. So I ask you this morning, on this Pentecost morning, where do you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit? Where is he calling you to aid in the health and renewal of this community? We've already started this right where we are. Just a month ago, we went through Every room in this building, we prayed for every employee in this building by name, and we gave them a gift. And they can testify, right where we are, they can testify to our commitment to the health and wholeness of Sioux Falls. Where else is God calling us as we move out from this building into the city, into our neighborhoods? How can we show the love of God the Father? Will you join me in praying for discernment in where the Lord is leading us for health and renewal? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your abundant gifts. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is in our hearts right now. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place, turning our hearts from from stinginess and towards generosity. And Lord, 
I pray that everyone in Sioux Falls would know that our God is a generous God through the actions of, of your people here in Sioux Falls, Lord. And Lord, let that start here. Give us guidance, Lord. Give us discernment and give us the strength and energy and courage to continue to serve and promote health and wholeness in Sioux Falls, to seek the renewal that you want us to help um, stimulate, Lord. Um, give us this strength and this power and this discernment. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.